Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Flipping houses can make you rich, but holding them will make you wealthy. Subscribe to a new real estate investing podcast. Hold that house with Matt Andrews and Matt Terrio. Subscribe for free. Listen, learn, and earn. Hold that house. Subscribe today. This is Terrio Media. Terrio Studios in Glendale, California. It's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Hello and welcome. Welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing, the place where I show people how to escape the rat race using real estate. And all you got to do, you just got to shift your focus from making piles of money to making streams of money. Change that one thing just one time and you are on your way to financial freedom. It is not the most exciting path, however, but it is the fastest. And once you get there, life then becomes exciting. And that's what we're all after anyway, right? We want an exciting life. We're not looking for an exciting business. We're looking for a business that can support an exciting life. And and if you'd like to get started the same way that I did with no money or a credit score, I had no credit score to my name, you can access a free course that I created just for you at free realestateinvestingcourse.com freerealestateinvestingcourse.com it's going to walk you through the two strategies the two fastest strategies to a paycheck in real estate it's how i got started it's how you do get started it's kind of your only option to get started when when you've got no money and you don't have a credit score that's how you do it freerealestateinvestingcourse.com now i've got something a little different for you today as i've been working the the greater part of this year toward removing myself from inside my business to a place where I can invest more time working on my business. So earlier this year, actually, I guess it was late late last year, in November, boy, time flies, the uh, the time of year, that's the time of year that each year that, that I plan for the upcoming year, so it had to have been November. And what I did is I, I created an SOP uh, for each part of my business, SOP standing for Standard Operating Procedure. And I got real meticulous. I got really down to the nitty gritty and I literally documented each and every step from each department of my business. I wanted to create just a document that, or or, uh, a group of documents that if someone walked into my business and they had to run this business, they would know exactly how to do it. And all they would have to do was follow the steps. So I did that. And then I took one department at a time 
and delegated it to a virtual assistant or somebody else. I started with somebody here in-house first, and then I started going out and finding people virtually to work virtually. And uh, once I got that first person up and running, I then assigned another person to a different department. And then once I got that all up and running, I went and started and got the next department all up and running with somebody else doing it. And I started with all the, the least important departments first. When I say least important, I mean the departments that if the, the SOP wasn't executed properly, it would have minimal, if any, effect on my income. That's how I kind of right, measured the importance there. The critical stuff. I want to make sure that the uh, the critical stuff, like that we got the whole thing figured out before I completely uh, delegated the critical stuff. Okay? So that's what we did. And so those parts that I delegated first, departments like the admin stuff, the transaction coordination, uh, the customer service stuff, um, the IT stuff, all that little stuff that used to take up so much of Mercedes and my time, we wanted to get that off our plate so we could really focus on the the money-making activities, the stuff that really drove the business and kind of just uh, delegate all the supportive roles to other people for support. That's why they call it support, I guess. And so through all that, we found we had a, I think we got a couple people here in-house that work with us. And then we've got, I don't know, probably a half a dozen VAs now, virtual assistants. And we used almost exclusively through uh, vasforrealestate.com, if you're wondering, for everything, vasforrealestate.com. And uh, now it hasn't been an entirely painless process. It has taken some work. And I think a big misconception in the world of virtual assistants is that all you have to do is just give them a task or a responsibility and boom, voila, it gets done perfectly the first time and every time thereafter. And, uh, you know, I know I was uh, actually guilty of this, especially after reading the, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. I mean, that book made working with virtual assistants sound very, very easy, didn't it? Well, if you've ever worked with a virtual assistant on any level, you realize that, hey, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. But it can be, it can be rather easy, but but you've got to realize that your VAs are people, right? They're not robots that just perform a task perfectly. They are people, they're people just like the people that you would hire to work on site, that, that would work there, right, say in the office next to you or share a desk with you. And, and regardless of the amount of training and experience that they bring to the table, you still have to show them how you want it done. You still have to show them how to do it. And you have to stay in touch and you have to communicate with them just as you would with employees working with you inside your office. I mean, you, you see them on a regular basis, you point out what they've done wrong, you, you give them praise for what they've done right, you train them to do other stuff. You, you do that for the people inside and, and on location. So that the people that you're working with virtually, no different, okay? So about four months ago, I reached the point where it was time to start delegating the important parts of my business to, to virtual assistants, the departments directly connected to revenue. And I was a little nervous. And, and specifically what I'm talking about is answering the incoming calls from my direct-to-seller marketing um, going ahead and running comps and going ahead and, and submitting offers and negotiating with sellers and, and then going out to, to find buyers and, and to, to market and promote the properties to our buyers list. So that's what I meant by um, those were some of the more important parts of the business that we're going to start to delegate. And that was, yeah, it was about four months ago or so. So I provided the, uh, let's, talk, let's talk about the, um, that first, first step I took was getting somebody to take my incoming calls. 
So I, I found a really good virtual assistant. I um, interviewed them, went through a few of them. I really like this person. And uh, provi- I provided him with the SOP and along with the scripts that informed him what what to learn and what to say verbatim. And we practiced a little bit for a week. And, I, and then I set him up on a uh, phone service that automatically records every call that he makes and every call that he receives. And what I've done since then, uh, I've set uh, aside a time each week to listen to his calls and give him some feedback and give him some training and, you know, give him some encouragement when he does it great. And, and now we're building in a... Um, uh, a bonus structure so he knows uh, what, what he has to do to, to make bonuses and, and it's working really really well so what I did is I thought I'd let you listen in on one of his recent phone calls and then let you know the feedback that I gave to him and it's just so you can get an idea that if you want to start delegating and and I really think you should because you can't do this business by yourself you can't do it all by yourself you're gonna have to delegate and if you ever really want to be a true business owner, you're going to have to, to, to give it all up. You're going to have to become uh, redundant inside your company. So that business uh, is a business that runs with or without your presence. So I'm going to go over that call and I'm going to go over his feedback and I'm going to do that right after this. There are two steps to wealth. First, stop doing what poor people do. Second, Start doing what wealthy wealthy people do. The wealthiest people work their strengths and hire their weaknesses. If only you had the time and resources to do it. Now you do. We're VAsforRealEstate.com, and we have some free information for you. Get the five-step shortcut to hiring a rock star virtual assistant that will make you millions. Go to VAsforRealEstate.com. Stop doing what poor people do and do what wealthy people do. VAsforRealEstate.com. Hello? Hello. Hi, this is Anthony. How can I help you? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. We talked yesterday briefly. My name is Paul. Oh, hey, Paul. How are you? Pretty good. <laughs> what? Uh, what? I, you know, yesterday was a really busy day for me, and I didn't get a chance to figure out what was going on. But uh, you had called me and said that you're interested in buying that piece of property over there in Lorraine. Uh huh. Yes, we are. Well, what's the offer? I solicited. Okay, I have a list that we call well right now. Oh, it's currently listed because right now, I don't want to give you uh, an unfair offer right now because we haven't checked the property or we haven't seen the property yet. So what I can do now for you is that I can gather the information first regarding the property, let's say uh, the bedrooms, the bathroom, and so on and so forth, um, lot size, and so on and so forth. And then we'll be the one to study it first. Then we can give you an offer maybe after 24 to 48 hours. How does that sound? Okay. Okay, pretty good. If that's the case, um, I'll be getting more information about the property. Um, could you provide me your uh, address on the property that you're looking to sell? Hey, it's 4 West 34th Street in Lorraine, Ohio. Okay, and just in case we need to follow up with you, do you have an active email address? No, my wife does, but I don't. <laughs> I don't have time for that. <laughs> okay, no problem. And so, yeah, tell me about the situation. Why do you want to sell the property? Well, I was. Uh, it was left to me by my mother and father. Okay, and uh, mm-hmm. 
stage I had some time ago, and I rented it out for a while. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, I got tired of renters. You know, I had good ones, and I had a couple bad ones. And the bad ones, I don't know, I'm getting too old for this stuff. I'm going to be 68 here next month, and I mm-hmm. just don't need headaches. Mm, I see. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, you really need to sell this because it's going to be, you know, you're going to be having a hard time managing this one. Okay, and also just in case, you know, we agree to the price, uh, how soon are you going to sell it? As soon as I can. As as I've had it listed for a year now, and ain't nothing happened. So, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, actually, it's been over a year. So, until when is your lease up, uh, the lease with the realtor? Oh, uh, actually, he's on an extension right now. I think in another month or so. Another month, okay. Let me see it here. But there's nothing written in paper on that. It was all verbal. So you can sell it at any time because it's just verbal. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Mm, Okay, not a problem then. Uh, right now, I just want to know, because you don't use email, right? So, if we're going to be sending you an offer, to what address should I mail you the offer? Uh, 65 Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R, Foster, F-O-S-T-E-R, Road, Vermilion, B-E-R-M-I-L-I-O-N, 44089. Let me check this one real quick. Okay, got the address here. Okay, and you know what? In order for me to get you a fair offer, as I mentioned earlier, I just need to ask you some question regarding the property. So these are the same questions that I ask everybody every day. Say I'm just simply going to read it out from my paperwork so you know I don't miss anything, particularly anything that may cost you money or an opportunity. So this will just take 10 minutes of your time. Uh, are you not busy right now? No, I, I'm okay. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. So from here, Anthony, he went through the seller information questionnaire. And I'm going to spare you all of that because you don't want to go through the bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage, all that stuff. I mean, he literally read directly from the questionnaire, the same one that's inside the academy. And then he just filled in all of the information. So we'll just kind of pick up from there. We'll we'll resume right here. Okay. Sounds like a nice property. Um, Do you know how much is the estimated value of this property? Yeah, I had it. I had a uh, an appraiser come out and uh, he appraised it. Uh, I don't have that paperwork right in front of me right now. Let me see if I can look it up real quick. Uh, you have to bear with me here a minute. Yeah, sure. Take your time. You know that uh, I told you it was inspected. Well, that's probably lapsed by now. It might have to be reinspected, but that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, here it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Depreciation, what's, I don't understand what that means. It's, it says $68,874. And then it says indicated value by cost approach. Is that what you want? Uh, actually, I'm just looking for uh, what do you call this? Estimated market value of the property itself. Estimated market value. I don't know. It says 
indicated value by cost approach. That's $60,958. And then it says above that, it says total estimate cost of new $111,832. Yeah, how much do you want to get for this property, or how much are you selling the property for? Well, right now it's listed at 52. I started at like 58. I'm down to 52.9 now. 52. Um, is this the best that you can do, or this price is still negotiable? I ain't taking no less than 50 for it. Oh, 50,000. Okay, got it. It's all. Uh, my dad uh, had the house built. It's all yellow pine. I mean, it is a well-built house. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a good and property, it's in, actually. Uh, it's in uh, Clearview School District, too, so that's a plus. Mm -hmm. And basically, there's no mortgage in this one, right? Pardon? Uh, there's no mortgage because this is no. uh, this is owned by your dad, right? And, yeah. Uh, what I about the taxes? Uh, are you able to pay the, uh, your taxes on time? Yeah, I've never been delinquent on my taxes, ever. Okay. And uh, right now, is the property vacant or rented? It's vacant right now. It's vacant. But previously, how much is the amount of rent that you're getting for, uh, from this property? Ah, I forget. The last one was 600 and something. Uh, around 600. Okay. Got a nice backyard, nice front yard. I already, get, I already got all the information that I need regarding the property itself. So okay. Well, if you need any more, give me a call. <laughs> Definitely. How's that? <laughs> So, as I mentioned, now uh, I can't make any promises, but I'm going to do the very best that I can do to get what you want. And ultimately, it's up to the market, though, and you understand that I have to carve out a little something for myself, too. That's fair, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's what you're in business for, right? <laughs> yep. So, yeah, right now, just give me about uh, a couple of days, maybe about 24 to 48 hours. We'll review the property itself. I submit it to the board so that we can get a fair offer and do some market evaluation and so on and so forth. And then either me, Anthony, or my partner, David, will be the one to give you a follow-up regarding this uh, property itself. That'd be okay? Yeah, that'd be fine. Thank you, Paul. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. You do. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All righty. I cut out a bunch of that for you, by the way. The seller... The seller really didn't have a clue, and it was a bit painful to listen to, so I spared you a bunch of dead space, a bunch of ums and ahs and all that stuff. But, but anyway, all right, so, so as you heard, Anthony, that's my virtual assistant. He is calling from the Philippines, and uh, he did a decent job, right? He did a decent job. And let me preface my, my comments that I, that I gave to him by telling you how my virtual investing business is set up, in case you're wondering, like, well, why didn't he present the offer or why didn't he make a soft pass or why didn't he try to get under contract all that kind of stuff so let me let me kind of tell you how I'm setting up my business I drive the leads via direct mail so I go ahead and I take care of that I, my job is to make sure that the phone rings for Anthony that's my sole purpose in, in, in this whole system as of right now and then Anthony who you heard takes the calls and returns the missed calls and his job is threefold he has three responsibilities first uh, his biggest responsibility is to make sure that every person that calls us gets called back. Every single one. Everyone. And if we don't get uh, make contact on that first attempt, Anthony is automatically reminded through our, our, uh, uh, our CRM, our, our database management system, uh, is automatically reminded eight consecutive days to call again until he does get in contact. 
eight times, eight consecutive days. So he calls eight days in a row. And if he still doesn't get in touch, then the reminder is just set for every 30 days thereafter. Okay, and we'll probably hit him with another piece of mail as well. And so that that's how our reminder works. And after that eighth attempt has been made, then it's uh, he follows up every 30 days. So that's his first role, to make sure everybody gets contacted. His second role is to assess the caller's motivation. And he classifies each caller at the end of the call as either a suspect or a prospect. All right, so that's the two classifications we have here in the office. And then his, his third role is to collect as much information about the property as possible information from the seller about the property specifically. We want to know what's inside of the seller's head. What are they thinking? We want to know what their thoughts and opinions are about the property. You know, for example, what what's the seller's estimate of repairs? So that gives us a good starting point. It, it, you know, if they say it's $5,000, well, all right off the bat, we know we don't have to negotiate that $5,000 because the seller has already given us that amount. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less, but at least that's our starting point. Um, other things like what's the seller's estimate of value? Again, if they say it's it's property's worth $65,000, then we know that's our starting point, okay? But then we also want to know wh- where, how did they determine that opinion of value? Where did you come up with $65,000? you just grab it out of the thin air? Or did your neighbor's house sell for that? Or is that what the last comps have said? Or is that what your realtor said? Or is that what your appraiser told you? Whatever it may be. We want to know what the source of that is. And then we also want to know Okay, so that's what it's worth. How much do you actually want for it? Okay, so those are the questions that, the types of questions that Anthony asks. He wants to just know what's going on in the seller's head. He just agrees with the seller and just goes along for the ride, asks the questions and takes note of all the questions. So those are his three responsibilities. Make sure, one, everybody gets contacted. Two, make sure, um, oh, to assess the, the caller's motivation. And then three, to find out everything about the property that the seller knows. All right, so that's his... Uh, um, <clears throat> that's his role. And he did pretty good. He did really good. And, and I'll let you know what my comments are or my coaching to him in just a minute. But after Anthony has completed his role, the lead then goes to a different department, the house analysis department, where I have another virtual assistant. Her name is Charisma. She does the market research on the property. She collects as much data as she can from the internet. And she may have, she may even call some of our people, our, our, our feet on the, our boots on the ground and get their opinions and get some information from them. And then she confirms the person on title. She confirms the bed and bath and square footage. Um, She pulls the comps and she comes up with uh, our estimate of value. And she confirms the property address. And then she confirms the mailing address. Basically, she just fills in the blanks of everything that Anthony wasn't able to do. Alrighty? So then, after that, after she's filled in all the blanks and all the data on the property, Charisma then calls the, the suspect sellers to let them know she's sending an offer to them. All the suspects get called by Charisma and she sends them an offer. And she's going to send them a standard three option letter of intent to all of the suspects, just like the one inside the academy. Um, all the defaults there, that's kind of our formula. We've tweaked it just a little bit, but not much. But that's basically the formula. What you see is the defaults up there. And we just send it. Okay. Yep. Each and every one of them will get a letter of intent from Charisma. All right. And then as long as she's been able to confirm the sailor's, seller's mailing address, that's that's what we do. Because sometimes, you know, you have the property address, but you don't have the, the, the mailing address or, or vice versa, whatever it may be. But as long as we have the property address and as long as we have the owner's mailing address, sometimes they're one of the same. Typically, they're different. 
But as long as we have those two pieces of information, they are getting a letter of intent, a three option letter of intent from Charisma. Now for the leads that Anthony marked as prospects, Charisma gets all the suspects, but for those that Anthony marked as prospects, the one that had a higher level of motivation, those leads are automatically forwarded to my in-house acquisition manager, David, who follows up with the lead, builds a little bit more rapport, and then he FedExes an offer to that prospect. So that's how we're set up. And yes, we could do things differently and we've done diff things differently. We're doing a little bit of testing and uh, you know, perhaps we'll be giving Anthony a little bit more responsibility to, to secure the really hot leads if he has the opportunity. I mean, and I'm looking in how to do that as efficiently as possible. But here's why I'm chosen to do it this way that I just explained, is that I've got my eye on the bigger picture of more of an assembly line type operation to make sure that no lead slips through the cracks. And, and also it gives me the ability to scale big and run a lot of leads through my system. You see, I mean, it's, it's my opinion that although with what I have set up with different people handling each stage of the process, we may lose an opportunity here and there. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I believe we're gonna gain even more deals by making sure every lead gets contacted and receives an offer from us. And we'll see. I mean, that's my decision. That's been my decision to go this route, but I'll remain flexible, always flexible, because I didn't do it this way always. I'm, I decided to do it this way based off my experience of doing it the other way and the way before that and the way before that. So at the end of the day, we're just going to look at the numbers and then we'll make adjustments if necessary. And that's how you should run your business as well. You know, choose a path, collect the data and make adjustments if necessary. And, and I'll certainly be sharing those results with you, but but I gotta let the numbers run their course, okay? It takes a minute to get back that real data. We can't just do this for a month and say, oops, this didn't work, or oops, this is working perfectly. No, we gotta let it run, okay? That's just kind of the, the nature of this business. You gotta, if they call it a numbers game, you gotta let the numbers work for a little while so you can get really accurate data. So back to Anthony, back to Anthony and his call. Here were the, the two pieces of coaching that I gave him. First, when the lead had mentioned that the property had been listed for a year, you remember that? He said it had been listed for a year, over a year even. That right there, that was an indicator that there might not be a whole lot of motivation. He's had the property on, on the market for a whole year. Why hasn't he sold it in a whole year? So you're thinking like maybe there's no, he's not motivated to really sell it. But then again, it also presented an opportunity very early in the call to probe and assess the motivation. So I gave Anthony a little bit of coaching, gave him a written script for the next time he hears that with, and he might not hear that exact same thing, but he'll hear variations of it for sure. And so I have uh, gave him the script that uh, if he gets told that, uh, you know, we had it listed for a year and he says, oh, you had it listed for a year. That's a long time in this market. And why do you think it hasn't sold yet? So that's the first part. And then listens to the answer and then follows that up with, how much longer are you going to continue doing what you're doing before you try something else? You see, when you ask a why question and a how much longer question, those are great questions for assessing motivation. You know, they're, they're, those stem right from the very, the three basic questions you ask right when you first start talking to the seller. You know, tell me about your situation. Why are you selling? There's a why question. And then we talk about uh, what do you want to have happen? But the next question is, if we were able to make that happen, how soon would you want to sell? So that why and how soon, those are the length of time, 
Those are great questions to ask to assess motivation. Now, later in the call, the seller said that uh, the property was listed for 52,000. Remember that? Started at 58, he's lowered it to 52,000, and Anthony asked, just like I had trained him to do, what's the lowest you would take? And boom, the seller said, nothing less than $50,000. So that was good. Instantly, we had a $2,000 price reduction just by asking the question, is that the best you can do? Is that the best you can do? Is that your low, is that your bottom line? Or what is your bottom line? You can ask it in a bunch of different ways, but he did it. And just with those words, those words, that one sentence was worth $2,000. Alrighty, so good job. And the next piece that I coached Anthony on, when a seller states the price that they want, that like, like he said, $50,000, I coached Anthony to, to kind of change direction a bit. Especially like in this situation, if you've been talking to him for a long time before the actual price comes out and he says $50,000 and this is what I've, I've I sent over to Anthony to coach him on to what to say. Hmm, really? $50,000? That's a good chunk of money. You know, every time I get a chunk like that, I put it into real estate. But, you know, I'm always looking to diversify my investments. May I ask, where are you going to invest your proceeds? And then just listen. And then once they say, they might say, I'm going to put it in the stock market. I am going to uh, put it in the bank. I'm going to buy a money market, put in a money market account, put in a CD, whatever they're going to do with it. And then you just kind of go, hmm, really? And what type of return would you expect from that investment? And then now you've got a number, a foundation of what type of return that they expect. And then the next question is, how long are you going to have to leave it there to get that return? How long are you going to have to leave it there to qualify for that return? And what that does is these questions, they do two things. First, it aligns you and the seller as fellow investors. It puts you two on the same side. It creates rapport. The second thing it does is it opens the opportunity to discuss seller financing. You know, for example, if the seller said he was going to put the money into a money market account, you know, like I, I coached Anthony to ask what type of return are money market accounts paying these days? And then how long would you have to leave it there to get that rate? You see, I want, I want Anthony to plant these seeds. He makes note of them and then he passes them along to David. He already passes them along to Charisma, typically to David in this instance. So he can, so David can then uh, move in and kind of water those seeds a bit more as now we've got a number that we can work with around an interest rate for seller financing because we know what he's going to get in the, sell, in the money market account. We know we can beat that with seller financing, right? We know we can beat that rate. And we also have a time period for the duration of the seller financing. Like, how, like a lot of times you can't get a full 1% in a money market account unless you commit to leaving it in there five years or a 10-year period. Well, boom, there's your, there's your balloon payment rate or there's your terms of financing. Now you, they're all kind of coming together. So we're just kind of planting seeds. That's what I, I was coaching Anthony on. And, and there were some other things there that, that I mentioned to Anthony, but, but those two, those were the biggies. And the, these things, they, they certainly don't come up on every call, but variations of them do come up frequently. And, and when they do, there's something now to do there to, to move that call forward. And Anthony is better equipped to move that call forward and hopefully into a deal. The point here is, though, um, I mean, there are some tips and, and stuff in there. I mean, take what you want from that and apply it in your own business. But, but the point here is, if you're going to hire some help or if you're going to start delegating some of your real estate investing tasks, be sure to actually delegate 
rather than abdicate. If you know the difference, they're very distinct. Don't just give the job to someone and surrender. That's abdicating. Don't just renounce all responsibility and let them go do it and walk away and hopefully it gets done right. That's abdicating. No, you need to, to delegate. Okay, just don't give the job to someone regardless of their skill and experience even. And, and, and don't have these expectations that everything is going to be perfect from that point forward. It doesn't work like that. You have to delegate and you have to treat your VAs like real team members, like real people. They are real people. You need to provide them with the resources. You need to provide them with training and you need to give them their feedback to, to help them be better the same way that you would if you hired someone to work right there beside you in your office. Help them be successful. If they're succeeding, they're going to stick around. If they're succeeding, you're succeeding. And what you should get from that is if you do it right, if you invest the time in your virtual assistant, you won't have to do this every month with someone new because that one didn't figure it out right or that one didn't work out or they didn't do what they said they were going to do. And and if you go back and you kind of just... Trace that experience, if you've had that experience. I've had many many of those experiences. That's how I'm able to kind of speak on this right now and I'm making it work. Because I had to look back to, to points where, okay, I'm going through VA after VA after VA. Uh, where am I responsible in this? Am I, am, I giving, am I really communicating with them clearly? Am I really giving them the support? Am I really helping them be successful? And I had to look back and said, in some cases, yeah, I thought so, but I know I could have done better, right? So... Now I'm, I'm, I'm treating my virtual assistants like they're family, like they, like they are team members and we're in this together. And, and it's, I'm having such a different result. The last six months have just been awesome for the business. And each month we're doing more and more business. Things are really going well for us right now. And I give a great amount of credit to it that I've set my support system up correctly. I invested my time in my support system and now it's uh, giving me a very nice return. So just do it once right and your business will start to perform and you're going to start noticing the differences and it's going to continue to perform with or without your presence. That's where the real freedom comes. You know, you've got this, you've got the real estate that's, that you're holding on to that's paying you a residual income. You can, and then now you can create a, a virtual wholesale business or a flip business in the much the same manner to where that business can pay you a residual income if you set it up correctly. Okay. And if you invest the time in your people, the people that work for you, the people that support you, invest your time, give them the resources, give them the training, give them the feedback that they need to be successful. Because if they succeed, you succeed. It's a lot of work in the beginning but it's well worth it on the back end once you've done it right. I mean, I'm talking a six-month window and my business is completely different. Now, six months, it seemed like a long time. It was a lot of hard work. But in hindsight, that was a breeze because of what I'm experiencing right now. It was well worth the investment. Alrighty, so that's it for today. Subscribe to the new podcast with Matt Andrews and myself, Hold That House. New episodes every Thursday. Uh, It's already at the top of the charts and in the investing section in iTunes. It's already top 20 in the business section and and it's lighting up the new and noteworthy section. And and that's all just thanks to you. Thank you to you that have subscribed to it and thanks to you that have spread the word. I mean, that's how I continue to produce shows and lessons and and be with you here each week and, and week in, week out because of you spreading the good word. So again, thank you. Contrary to popular belief, a lack of funding is not the biggest barrier to starting a business. It's excuses. But don't let a lack of funding be your excuse. 
We are Epic Fast Funding, and we'd like to fund your business with up to $150,000 in revolving credit lines. If you've got 60 seconds and a solid credit score, you could have access to your funds in as little as seven days. Go to EpicFastFunding.com to fill out our 60-second application. It's fast, it's simple, up to $150,000 in as little as seven days. Go to EpicFastFunding.com. I'll see you right here next week on another episode of Epic Real Estate Investing. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.